Welcome to Mental Awareness Discussion, the MAD Podcast, with Miles Weber, Heather Weber, and Susan Thompson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the MAD Podcast, the Mental Awareness Discussion, brought to you by Broken Drift Productions and Banana Bros. Follow them at Broken Drift Productions and at AZ Banana Bros on all the social medias. My name is Miles Weber. I am your host, and I am reporting right now from a hotel room in Idaho. I made my bed for this, so it must be an important podcast. And with me, as always, my lovely co-hosts, my wife and co-host in life, Heather Weber. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm peachy. Thank you for asking. She's peachy. I like it when she's peachy. That's always good. And then reporting from her car in Canada, we have comedian and our friend (laughs) and life partner. We have Susan Thompson. Susan, how you doing? Hey, how are you? We're doing good. We're doing good. And today we have a a mental health professional with us today to uh, help us open up our series that we are doing about anxiety and maybe a little bit about panic disorders. Uh, We have Kalia Hawkins here. Kalia, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, you want to inform the folks listening and watching a little bit. Just tell them a little bit about yourself, what you do in the field. Okay, um, so my name's Kalia. I am an associate managing family therapist. Um, this means that I am working on my hours towards getting my clinical license. I'm done next week, y'all. I'm very excited about that. Um, thank you. It's been three years, so I am very, very pumped to be done with this part. Um, right now, I'm working in residential treatment. I work in Oakland, California. Um, We have 13 clients total. Most of them have level one diagnoses like schizophrenia, bipolar, um, borderline disorder, um, all kinds of stuff, stuff, stuff. (laughs) Um, And anxiety is up there. PTSD anxiety is up there as well. Right on. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of stuff that we're definitely covering in this podcast for sure. Yeah. We're getting into all the nitty gritties of that stuff. Definitely. Uh, but on the subject. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. It makes for real uplifting podcasts, you know? Um, so uh, on the subject of anxiety um, from your standpoint, if you had to describe uh, anxiety or anxiety disorder to somebody who had never heard of such a thing, uh, how would you describe it? Um. So in very, very simple terms, um, because it it can be way more complex than what I'm about to say, but essentially it is fear. It is just fear of the future. It is that, you know, you always have that what if question, like what if this and what if that? And then before you know it, you're in this rabbit hole of things that like is like so minimally possible to even happen. But you're in there in that moment. Um, You can't focus on what's happening in the present because you are so focused and worried on what is to come, what is in the future. Um, My personal thought is a lot of this unfortunately does stem from our past experiences as well. And if we don't deal with them, it presents itself as severe anxiety. Not always, but sometimes like I'm experiencing anxiety right now and I've never had a bad interview or anything. I'm just nervous. (laughs) Oh, you're fine. Oh, you're good. We're super laid back. here. It Uh, it happens to the best of us. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think you're going to experience different types of anxiety throughout the the course of your life. I think it becomes a disorder because I had an anxiety disorder for a long time and, and now I've just found good ways to keep it in check but yeah it does Mm -hmm. it is like you said that that what if 
question. It just and it just rolls goes and it just never it's like a pebble that yeah. goes down a hill until it's this big boulder and you don't notice that this thing has been happening until you can't do anything but notice um, until it becomes that debilitating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I um, personal note. So I actually had my first panic attack when I was my late 20s, um, maybe like two years ago or so. And it actually, the irony is it happened at work. I work in residential, so I was doing an overnight and had this weird feeling. I had been nauseous for a few, or nauseated for a few days. And I was like, what is going on? And um, not realizing that it was all connected to something that was going on in my relationship. I had been mulling it over for a few weeks at that point. And it just, it hit. When I tell y'all it hit, I was at work and was like, I can't breathe. And I, you know, my clients, like I said, have schizophrenia, so they can't help me. <laughs> I'm there alone for an overnight and it gets scary. <laughs> He's cracking up. I'm sorry. It I just thought, scary. I just thought of the idea of somebody with schizophrenia. You're like, Hey, can you help me? You're Patricia. Right. It's like, and no, like this panicking. is Dennis right now. Like, <laughs> I'm like panicking and they're in their own world. They're asking, and then they're asking me for questions because I'm the only staff there. And it's like, I'm trying to manage all of this while experiencing something that I've never experienced before. Um, and for me, it doesn't all, it didn't show up as like, I just can't breathe. So this is good to know too. Panic attacks aren't just the, I can't breathe. For a lot of us, panic or um, anxiety lives in our gut as well. So for me, it's the nauseated feeling. I felt like I was gonna vomit. Um, and I could like my mouth was salivating and I was just like in this internal upheaval. Um, and so I had to like calm myself down. I called a friend like, girl, I'm tripping, calm me down, take me off the ledge. And she was able to do so. And I was fine. And it wasn't until um, I actually talked to a friend about what was actually happening, not just the experience of the anxiety, but what was actually going on in my life. Once I let that out, I noticed that a lot of that anxiety went away almost like instantly, almost. Yeah. Well, I feel like it just kind of festers, you know, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Realizing what those triggers or anything is and just kind of over time. That's why it's like, it's so good to let, if something's bothering you about somebody or a situation, let it out right away. Cause over time it's going to build into resentment or anxiety or. Absolutely. I, I think we're so good at that, though, as humans, aren't we about like just kind of holding off on the confrontation we assume is going to happen from being honest about our feelings. And then it how it's every relationship's cliche where it's just like you Miles, left the light you on. Be, you want to be <laughs> honest and open with people and bring in uncomfortable feelings. I know. Selfish. Gross gross so disgusting all of it but yeah you like yell at somebody over stupid shit and it's like this isn't about the light yeah like i mean if it's It's about the the it's never about the light it's anytime it just leaks out it's never about that thing and so i think yeah i think just the straw yeah i think panic attacks that i've had very it was never about the actual situation it was just Mm -hmm. like i think a panic attack is like if uh uh-oh was a mood that's what a panic panic attack is just because every you said like the gut health, you're just like, uh Oh, that's, and then yeah. you might sweat and you're like, uh Oh, 
And then you start to get Every like fuzzy visiting. Oh, uh oh. Uh, and so it's just, it's one worse uh oh after the other. And so it makes it really easy to just slide, especially once you've had a panic attack. I feel like you're more oh, susceptible yeah. to them because then you know, uh oh, here it comes. You know what's coming. Yeah. And and then you start freaking out because you don't want that feeling. Mm-hmm. So you're freaking out about like three things. You're low levelly freaking out about something that has already happened. You're freaking about the experience you're having right now. And you're freaking out because you know what it could potentially lead to. And then you're just in a shit storm of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just it's bad. It gets really bad for some people sometimes. Oh, absolutely. One, one, 100. It's, it's, it. Once you get into the loop of having a feeling about the feeling, you're stuck. Like when you start getting, oh, I have anxiety about my anxiety, then it's just yeah. you, you know you just eat the dogs eating the tail, and that's so you cool. that that's the place that when it, that, I think that when you get to that place, it's now becoming a disorder, as it were, uh, you know, just be, because then it's just, all right, now you're just, the sickness is making you sicker. And, and, and so you got to find ways to, to handle that. Um, what are some methods that you have found success, success with, with managing anxiety with people? Uh, yeah. Um, one of the main things that therapists are using is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Everyone loves this. Most most people have heard of this, even if they're not in the field. And it's basically just like our thoughts control everything. If I can make it super simple, your thoughts control everything. Um, it, I'm thinking back to like one of my first clients when I was in practicum, even um, she had severe anxiety in the classrooms. And when we talked about it, we did a few things. We did some like empty chair work because I wanted to know, you know, where her anxiety was really coming from. Um, That's just my personal style. I kind of like to do some digging. Um, But ultimately, we did a lot of CBT. I had her list, um, make a list of all of the negative thoughts that she experiences in her moment of anxiety. You know, that rabbit hole I was talking about, because for her, it was like, if I get up in front of the class, what if I don't know the answers? And if I don't know the answers, everybody's going to laugh at me. And if everybody laughs at me, I'm going to start sweating. And if I start sweating, they're going to see the pit stain. And if they see, and it just like kept, and she was talking fast and it mm-hmm. kept going. And I was like, okay, wait, stop, slow down. And I want you to write every negative thought you just went through. And as she wrote them down, she got all the way down to the list. And I said, now on the other side, I want you to write a list that combats every negative thought you had. And the trick of it is that when these thoughts come up, you just fill it in with a new thought and you recite that over and over. Um, you know, when you say words like meditate, people think we're like chanting and like, you know, Buddhist chanting or something. And that's not always what meditation is. Meditation is just simply repeating something to yourself, uttering it to yourself. You can do it out loud. You can do it silently. And CBT has parts of that in it. That's what that list was about, creating the positive mindset that you want and retraining your brain to to navigate that way as opposed to the negative way because the negative way is where the anxiety lives. Um, So things like that are very, very helpful. Um, As I said before, dealing with anxiety is all about future issues. And so reminding people to stay present in the moment, like what's happening right now. For that, grounding helps a lot too. Having, um, and I know I'm like just throwing out a lot of things, but having them like (laughs) push their feet into the floor, you know, move your toes, feel your toes. Um, I've had 
people push onto a wall. I've pushed onto a wall before, just, you know, feeling the pressure in your hands. Um, I like the uh, name all of the blue things in the room. You know, it helps them focus on what's around the room. You're getting them to talk about um, the objects, the color, sizes, anything that has them focusing on something other than what's happening, the anxiety that's happening. Um, and because the goal is to really get them to calm down, essentially. Um, the panic attacks happen when everybody goes so high up into the anxiety and you can't really get anything done. There's going to be no therapy that happens if we can't calm them down first. Um, so those are just some of the few ones that that are my favorites. Um, dancing is actually a really good one after they've calmed down too. Or right when you feel like it's about to happen. Um, I actually, so I did a training recently on expressive art therapy as well to deal with trauma. And one of the things they had us do was about um, exploring your window of tolerance when things are uncomfortable or frightening or scary. Um, and one of the things we did was to make the I'm okay playlist. So this is like your playlist on Spotify or Pandora or YouTube, whatever you listen to your music on, create a list of about five to 10 songs that no matter where you are or what is happening, these songs put you in an I'm okay and I'm safe space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause music is super important. You know, we don't even realize a lot that music changes how we're feeling you know if you're sad a breakup happens you had that song you always put on when it happens or whatever um so the i'm okay playlist is what you put on in those times that all each of the songs on there should not be related to any um any other memory other than a happy moment for sure yeah. I have a I have a Facebook group that I uh, that I've been working with um, off and on, and I had everybody in there just put what are your go to songs and let's yes. playlist of everybody's go to songs. And so it was kind of interesting uh, where some people were like heavy rock, that's my like yeah. go it makes me feel good, and then you know other ones were like John Mayer and stuff like that. <laughs> It was just like yeah. all over the place, but it was interesting finding those songs for each person and then combining it and be like, oh, and now I'll listen to it on shuffle and be like, oh, this takes me all over the place, but it still makes yeah. me happy. It's going to be, it is going to be very different for everyone. And just for one person, it may be different. If y'all saw my I'm okay playlist, y'all would crack up because it's like gospel music. And then all of a sudden it's like Beyonce. And then it's like twerk session. I no hands walk a flock up puts me in a very good space. So it's just, it's all over the place. And personally, I feel like that is okay because in that moment, the only thing I'm wanting to experience though is a positive experience to combat whatever bad thing is happening, making me feel unsafe. Um, I see yeah, the journey, so though. I see the journey in your playlist. I think it makes sense. Don't 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 deny the progression. OK, like gospel music, like, <laughs> like the Lord, the Lord, the Lord gave me this body to be comfortable in. And now I'm going to appreciate this up. booty and I'm going to twerk <laughs> it out like I'm going to use what God gave me. Let me thank him first. Let me no apply part. it now. Like, yeah, I think that makes us be the sense. congregation and appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And look, the congregation knows how I get down. So listen, exactly. they'll, be, they'll be OK. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. No, I, having the playlist is a good form of grounding. I love that. That keeps you in the moment. The the dancing. I know that I've seen Heather dance through some pretty hard times. You just keep moving to the yes. rhythm of the music, you know, um, and but the other things that you said, you know, just things about 
bringing you back here? Because I mean, if you're experiencing panic or anxiety, usually you're not here right now. So I mean, it's real good. Like I'll try and snap myself out of mine and be like, hey, where are you right now? When I start freaking out and I start getting to the races, where are you right now? Oh, well, where are you right here? We're here. What time is it? It's right now. Okay, so chill. Let's take a step back. It's good for other people to know these things as well. You know, like yeah. if you're somebody who deals with anxiety, sharing things like this with your friends, you don't have to tell them that you deal with anxiety. You can just be like, hey, I saw this show and they were talking about this because you're sharing the awareness so that in the event that something happens, now more people know what to do to help someone else. Um, you know, I I first saw my first pen not my panic attack, but um, my mother had my her first panic attack. I cannot find my words, y'all. My mom had her first panic attack that I saw when I was in high school. Mm. And she was having them consistently back to back for a while. So it took her out for um, maybe like half of a year or so um, where she just could not function. And if it weren't for me having gone through that with her, with my dad and my family, When I started working in the high schools, I had kids come into my office with panic attacks. And if it weren't for, this is before I even got my master's degree. So if it weren't for my personal experience, I would have had no clue. I'd have been like freaking out too. And that's never good. If you're freaking out and the person with you starts freaking out, then that sends you off too. So somebody has to be grounded and anchored to lead the other person back. Um, And that's funny. I'm telling that story because that's actually what made me decide like, okay, it's time to go back to school. It's time to get these tools. Um, I did it less for, at the time, I think I did it less for, I want to be a therapist and more for, I wanted the tools to be able to help people around me. You know, the people that I know, my family, my friends, I have lots of friends who deal with anxiety and I get calls all the time, girl, I'm about to, What am I doing? (laughs) I need some help because they just need something to talk, someone to talk to or what do I do in this moment? Um, Another thing to point out too is a lot of people don't realize that kids deal with this a lot. (laughs) Kids deal with this so much because they don't even have the words a lot of times to explain what's happening. And we often think of like, oh, they're acting out or they're doing this. I know when me growing up, I would like you about to get a whooping have a seat you know without actually saying what is happening right now what is wrong what's going on um i, I saw i saw a uh it was like a, a tiktok the other day and it was video footage from like someone's camera they had in their kitchen and they had like their and ba- she was talking to the, her son the ba- oh no the baby had the like sink hose and was just spraying oh. it all in the kitchen. And the person watching was the parent and was like, or somebody watching was, was like, I would whoop that baby's ass. And then the person cut on was like, how about we don't whoop the baby's ass? How about we take that thing from him? Cause the baby's just like, whoa, this thing yeah, shoots baby. water. Like mm-hmm. this is amazing right now. This thing shoots water. And <laughs> he doesn't know that this is something you're not supposed to do they're kids they're exploring everything everything is for the first time yeah you You can't have so much of your own stress that's left unchecked to the point where you don't have the patience for your children to educate them they don't know they just got here like (laughs) just got here everything but they're also experiencing all these emotions for the first time and like Mm -hmm. 
have the words to explain what they're feeling, you know, whether it's anger, happiness, sadness, they can't contain themselves and they don't know how to get it out. I always tell people. Sometimes they don't know what they're feeling either. They don't know. So even if we ask them, the kid will be like, I don't know. Yeah, I I always. It's brand new for them. They have no idea. I always tell people, think about your, remember your first ever breakup, like the first time you got dumped, how it was the, it was the worst thing that's, that could ever happen to you. Like I had a pan, I had a full blown panic attack on my front lawn that the neighbors came outside (laughs) to watch. Like, yeah, 100%. I 100% did. I had a, I got dumped over the phone uh, in a long distance relationship. Yes. And uh, it was my first ever high school girlfriend. uh, And I was a year removed from high school. She was living somewhere else. And I like had a full blown big girl temper tantrum on my front lawn. It was absolutely terrible. Um, But like, You've never experienced that before. Your first time experiencing that particular emotion until you experience it a few times. Like, oh man, okay, now I got this. Like, I've got a better way to, I've seen that I will survive this and I know now that I can move forward okay. and get beyond this. But when you're and a I'm kid, glad, you don't know. Everything's the worst thing ever or everything's say, the best I'm thing glad, ever. I'm glad you said that because children, youth, teens, all of it, they also don't think past tomorrow so everything that happens it's here it's they're perfect that where we as adults might want to try to get back to like focus on what's happening now but for them everything that's happening now is the worst it is ever gonna be because I can't even think of tomorrow tomorrow doesn't exist it's right now and it's here and so they flip out um so that I'm glad you pointed that out too um but that being said also Talking with them is good. Giving them words to use, teaching them early about different emotions and what they are and what they mean and how you experience them. Asking them how they experience them. You know, give them a scenario. Remember when mommy took your ball and you like frowned your face? That was mad. You know, (laughs) showing them what that is so that they can start to recognize what they're feeling so that when they're feeling it, now they can tell you because they've got the words. And there are techniques for them as well. I used to keep, um, when I used to work with kids, I kept a little, like a square piece of paper that had a picture of a flower on one side and it had a picture of the candle on the other. So a lot of times we say to people, we'll take a deep breath, breathe in, breathe out. Well, kids can't even blow their nose. If you really pay attention, you have to teach them that too. So a lot of times I would hold that up and I would say, smell the flower and they know how to do that. So they smell it. And then you flip it and you tell them now blow out the candle on the cake. And that's how you teach them what deep breathing is so that when those moments happen, I don't even have to hold it up anymore. I just say, smell the flower and they breathe in. And then I say, blow the candle out. And then they give out a big breath. And we keep going until they've brought their heart rate down, until they're able to speak. Um, bubbles are really, I use, I'm going to be honest, I use bubbles for adults too. I think adults can be way too serious sometimes. And I think we need to loosen up a little mm-hmm. bit. So I bring bubbles into sessions and I'm like, here, let's play with some bubbles. And it's perfect for practicing that breath as well. I like right. that. That's awesome. I love yeah. bubbles. That's awesome. See, who doesn't like bubbles? You gotta love bubbles. I used to, my son used to tap. He used to do tapping. 
Oh like, yeah. I we, Happy we, we taught him for a while. Like he was sitting in the car one day. I'm like, Miles, are you okay? He's like, I'm sorry, mommy. I just can't get a grip because that was a big thing. I was like, Mom, I would get a grip. And so he would, we would start, he would tap on his palms of his hands. That's a thing. Ta tapping, yeah, yeah. Ta yeah, tapping therapy is a thing. Yeah, no, my mom yeah, who did like that. Tapping. Yeah. She would, hers was here. She would tap the shoulders, the middle of her yeah. sternum, and then her wrist. She would tap. I'll that tap. one wasn't for yeah, me. See, I'm, but I'm, everyone, I will everything do my wrist. That's why I got out of my wrist. Oh, I, I tap, tap my knee. Oh, yeah, I tap my knee. I'll sit and because uh, I played drums mm -hmm. for a long time. So yeah, so I keep, I keep that rhythm, and the closer I keep it to that that four four time, whatever beat I'm feeling is okay. steady. You know, for me, that yeah. kind of keeps me grounded. The yeah. breathing th though is so oh, it's so important, man. I mean, because mm -hmm. when you're having, when you're getting to a state of panic. You're going to, you're, you're going to start breathing less. It's you know, the first thing you do. Exactly. And that's how that panic rocket takes out. You know, you're giving it all that, that high energy mm -hmm. steam. So being able to come back into breathing nice and slow in your nose and out of your mouth and everything, yeah. um, then just, just being able to calm yourself down and come back to the breath, the breath will, uh, be the thing that's going to help calm you down because your breath is here right now. So whatever you're mm -hmm. doing with it, your body's going to now follow suit from there on mm -hmm. out. You know, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it's monks. Uh, the first thing they teach you if you want to become a monk is they teach you how to breathe. And they say yeah. it's, be it's because uh, they, that's the first thing they teach you because your breath is the only thing that will stay with you your entire life. It'll never mm -hmm. It'll never change or leave you or anything. Your breath will be the only thing that will stay with you your entire life. So they teach you how to breathe first. So yeah, wow. that's such an important part of the whole calming aspect of life, man. You got to come back mm -hmm. to chill. We're hanging out. We're chilling. It's okay right now. And another thing you had said earlier that uh, about like the listing of the pros and the cons almost because you could take a step back from it. Um, for me, I call it like taking my thoughts to court. And so yes, if, if that I've, is exactly what it is, yeah, I take my thoughts to court. And it, and so I'll go, if you start to get in that thing where you're like, oh, well, all these awful things are going to happen because all these awful things have been happening. And it's like, okay, well, let's see how much evidence do you have to support those thoughts? Well, none. I just feel that way. It's like, okay, perfect. Well, since we have no evidence to support that that's actually going to happen. Now we have to give a little bit of life to the other side of the coin, which is how mm -hmm. could it all go right? If we're going to sit here and have no evidence to support how everything is going to go wrong, well, then now we have to do the other side of the coin. How could it possibly go right? I have just as much evidence to support this as well. So stop entertaining just the negative aspect that's going to make you panic. And, and since I have just as much evidence to support it, really give energy to the positive. And you know what? It's your belief. You can just choose to believe that the good thing's going to happen. Because if you have just as much evidence to support it, it's like, oh, well, Maybe that'll happen. Let's just go with that. And then just wait and set it and forget it and wait till you get to the moment, you know, because usually it doesn't happen the way that you think it's going to happen. Susan's having some difficulties there. Are you okay, Susan? Oh, she's oh. on mute. She's on mute. Oh, unmute yourself. We can't hear you. Oh, we can't hear you. Unmute yourself. There we go. What happened? All of a sudden, I don't know what it is with my favorite spots this week. As soon as I pick a favorite spot to sit and podcast, it's like the world blows up. Now I've got a, a BMX race going on. I'm like, seriously, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I picked the worst spot. 
Oh no, it's my favorite. Every time you podcast from your car, I always, it's a game that I play where I can focus on what's happening with the guests, but I'm also just trying to paint the picture of what's happening in front of you. I'm like, oh man, is there a robbery? What's happening? I know. I'm like, I'm trying to focus. I'm so sorry. I'm like, (laughs) I'm panicking over the noise. I'm like, please don't make noise, people. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe Breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. We just went over this. Yes. I'm having a breath. I think I I need my tapping. I'm like, something, come on. These people uh, are gonna be gone in a minute. We'll be fine. Sorry. No, it's all good. I love it. I love it. I love no. it. So. There was something you said, Miles, that I, um, uh, and I I lost it because we started focusing on Susan. Um, I can't remember exactly what you were saying, but taking um, your thoughts to court. Yeah. It. So, I think you said something about protecting ourselves or thinking about the negative things mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much. Um. This is where anxiety for me, I believe, um, gets a little deeper than than the simple way we've been saying it. Um, because I also think that so so fear was created basically to protect us for mm-hmm. survival. Mm-hmm. What happens in anxiety is that it no longer becomes a sur- well, it's still a survival mechanism, but it ends up having the adverse, the adverse effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it now becomes what what is keeping us from living essentially um and i think along with that comes the making the list of the how it could all go right is also what you're protecting yourself from right so you want to protect yourself from the negative stuff but i think deep down anxiety happens because you also are protecting yourself from the good stuff all of it has become too much to handle because if it all goes good now I'm suddenly responsible for the good stuff, right? I'll give you an example. Um, so I've been working on myself lately, a lot of personal development, trying to put positive energy into the world, sharing a lot more of my giftings, my experience, my knowledge. And as a result, um, y'all reached out. Now I'm feeling anxious because now I didn't stepped out. I, I took myself out of the safe space so what if it all goes good? Well, now it's gone good, but now I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes you to another level. And I think a lot of times underlying, we don't want to do that either. You know, we don't want the bad stuff, but the good, good stuff is like, ah, but wait a minute. And then what if that good stuff happens and then it fails? Yeah, that's that's always my, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm it's okay. the back and forth. It's a, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm just always afraid of the other shoe to drop. So it's. Yeah going really good i'm like yeah shit that just means i have farther to fall though yeah absolutely which in and Um, of itself is a form of negative thinking i mean because you're just just waiting you're waiting for the cycle instead of uh you know life's a roller coaster you know i mean there's going to be a lot of this where it's going to be real fun and freeing and it's going to feel great but that drop in that loop is a son of a bitch like i mean it's so there's going to be parts of the roller coaster that are less favorable than the rest but i mean don't damn the entire experience on the roller coaster you know i mean so yeah it's hard once you get in that loop of waiting for the other shoe to drop and everything man it's just that was my thing too heather i'm another shoeer Mm-hmm. I just did I just did a reel on Instagram that was playing the Pink Panther theme song and it was like when life is going too good. Mhm. Hold, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Hold said- on. Um, that's when talk therapy is really important. Mhm. Mm-hmm. That's when talk therapy is going to be really important. My personal opinion um 
things like CBT and all of the grounding techniques are good for that in the moment. They're good for dealing with the anxiety, but I think it's a band-aid at times. Um, it's not going to solve or cure your issue. Your issue is gonna always be more deep rooted than just I'm having a panic attack and I'm feeling anxiety. Um, so it's like triage. You deal with what's emerging, you deal with what's happening in the moment, and then we need to go back and figure out what is causing this. Because if we don't figure that out, you are always going to have a panic attack. You're always gonna have to use grounding. And the whole point of psychotherapy at least for me being a therapist is that I want to get my clients to the place where they don't need me anymore. I don't want to do long-term therapy with anyone. I want you to get in here and I want you to work and we're going to grind it out. And then when you're ready, go on about your business. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah, but, it's, yeah. but it becomes really important. It's uh, it's addressing the roots of your tree that has started to bore rotten fruit. I mean, if, right. if the panic Ooh, attack is just the, the panic attack is just the tip of the iceberg, you know, so I mean, mm-hmm. now that if, if we can get this panic attack a little under control in the moment using these tools, that's great. But like you said, it's only a bandaid if you don't trace it back to where did this come from? Right. Why is this here? And you have to address the roots. So being able to unpack it in therapy, address the roots, cope with it in a healthy way, and then be able to release a little bit of that. And now mm-hmm. you're in a better sense altogether. You don't have that thing you're hanging on to. Now the toolkit is way more Right. essential and valuable to you you can actually apply it more uh that you're mm-hmm. a little bit more centered so now the cbt can get you through more than it could previously because you've addressed those roots with some type of therapy it's absolutely very for sure yeah. absolutely your treatment almost seems more full circle though because like you even said like trees like triage or something like when you go to a doctor like when i go to my psychiatrist like they'll give you a medication because I, I deal with bipolar and they give you that medication for that first bit but it's like it's not enough to just yeah. that yeah. just that emergency treatment's not enough if, and nobody goes beyond where are my triggers where's yeah. the trigger coming yeah. from how do I how do I avoid that trigger and I'm wondering like at least in my opinion for me that's where the mental health system has kind of failed me especially Absolutely. when it comes to anxiety it's kind of going hey okay I buy I know there's a problem. I know I'm having a panic attack. Where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, our system, I hate saying that the system is broken because it's not. It works exactly how it's supposed to. <laughs> unfortunately, uh-huh. it's not in favor of those of us who need the resources and the support. Yeah. Um, you know, and unfortunately, that is how it goes. You go see a psychiatrist. They give you something to deal with your little symptoms. That Because that's how they treat it. Like, it's a little symptom and we'll just deal uh-huh. with it but you're gonna forever have that problem if you're unable to address it. It's really unfortunate. Um, You know, in Oakland where I am, the place that I'm at, we're the only adult residential treatment place in in the entire city. There's no one else like us. So everybody's clients is always vying for a spot with us and we can't take everybody and I have to turn people away. and it's very unfortunate that it has to be like this. They've closed down so many things. Um, you know, it just, it's, it, I don't know how else to say it. It sucks. It really sucks that this is how it is. Um, I also, you know, I never say, I don't want to say that medication doesn't work. Medication for me as a clinician is usually like my last, my last step, um, unless 
what you're experiencing is so severe that you can't even get to the CBT stuff. And this is, and I'm speaking for anxiety, obviously for other things, there's going to be other, I got other thoughts, but uh, for what we're talking about, um, I'm less likely to refer you to a psychiatrist for things like Xanax and Valium and all that stuff, the tranquilizers, um, unless it's proving to be such a problem that you can't even use the tools that I'm going to give you. And some, for some people, it's like that. Some people with anxiety can't even sleep. So you've been up for three days. There's no way I'm going to be able to tell you to push, to push. You know, if I, if you came in and you haven't slept for three days and you're like, I don't know what's going on. And I keep having panic attacks. There's no way I'm going to be able to tell you, well, push on this wall and squeeze this ball and take a deep breath. It's going to be a Okay, you're going to be looking at me like, girl, no, the hell is not okay. You know, at that point, here, let's get you a prescription so you can go to bed mm-hmm. because sleep is so yeah. important to all of your body functions. And if you're not getting the basic things like sleep, food, and shelter, there's no way your mental health is going to even be able to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I my dream when I become like licensed and a real therapist and all that stuff Um, I would love to have some kind of center where we can begin to focus on a full circle health, Um, you know, making sure that if if you don't have housing, we help you find that. I mean, it's really case management services. Um, I've always wanted to focus on youth, but people need all of that. You know, if you don't have the basic needs met, there's no way we're going to be able to even touch your mental health. Um, because you're not going to be in the space to do it. You have to feel safe and not just in the therapy room. Yeah. Yeah. Because you leave here, you know, say that again. I guess that's, um, you were just saying like food shelter, uh, and that kind of stuff. And I guess that's where, um, when you see so many homeless people and stuff, like I'm trying to think what I, I can't think of the words I just said. And I'm like, so it just keeps, Say it again. Self-medicating. Yeah, and then like we have a tremendous homeless population in Vancouver. I mean, if you look up the downtown east side, and that's exactly it. Like you just hit the nail on the head. Like we don't have shelter and treatment, etc. And then, and then they're self-medicating to try and fix that. Yeah. Oh wow. I see it all the time, especially with the, again, I'm sorry, I know we're talking about anxiety, but um, especially with the schizophrenic population, the the self-medicating and anxiety too, the marijuana. um, And this is not to say I don't, I'm going to leave my personal thoughts on that alone, (laughs) but I don't have a problem with the weed, but but a lot of our clients overuse you know abuse they they can't stop using because of the mental health issues that they're experiencing and then I've had clients that were using other substances um because specifically because it keeps them awake and heightens their anxiety Mm -hmm. because they're homeless and they've been violated while they were sleeping so now they don't want to sleep at all so they they're using all of this for survival. Mm-hmm. So if survival is your focus, it's going to be very, very hard for you to even worry about your mental health, because that's a I'm going to be in my opinion, Anya, that's a luxury mm-hmm. to, to focus yeah. on your mental health, to even recognize your mental health stuff. That is a luxury at the basis of it. We all just need to be fed, sheltered. And um, what was the other one I said? Sleep. Fed, sheltered. Sleep and sleep. Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's so important. Sleep. Stop listening That's to Steve it. Harvey. 
this hustle cultural <laughs> bullshit. I swear oh to God, God, every time I hear these these entrepreneur assholes, yeah, now, you're going to have to oh say no. you're going to have to sacrifice sleep. Bitch, you shouldn't. No, no, no. you need sleep. Don't your brain, your body. And you need here's sleep. the thing. Those type of entrepreneurs, I promise you, yes, they are very successful. I'm not going to deny that. But ask them about their personal relationships. Ask them about themselves. Yes. Ask them what do they like to do for fun. They're not very, they tend to, I'm not going to say all of them because I'm working on being one of them, but they don't tend to be well-rounded and full-circled individuals. Mm -hmm. They are stuck in one spot. And if that's your focus, then yes, by all means, don't sleep and go be crazy. <laughs> if you want a healthy lifestyle, well-rounded individual with wonderful personal relationships and striving and helping others and whatever else it is you want to do in your life, you need to sleep yep. and you need to, and you need to have a support system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't. Oh, go ahead. I was worked with some of those people and where I ask like okay well this is your career and this is how you prep for your career well what else do you do for fun what do you do for you and they're like this is they don't even know who they are outside of so this listen I don't know where we going y'all I'm sorry oh no let's get into <laughs> it because no this is why this is why we Great. have so much anxiety I like love they don't even know who they are they are so wrapped up in what it is that they do and you are not what you do. You are, your identity is who you are. That's what I wanted to say. Your identity is not what you do, what role you play. For example, like, I don't know what you all do. I'm a therapist. That's not who I am. Who I am as a caring individual. Who I am as a creative. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I paint. That is my role. I am a creative. That is who I am. It's very they're close, but they are different. So somebody who's into business, you know, they may say, well, I'm a CEO, but who are you? You are a leader. Mm -hmm. It's very, very different. And once you start to recognize those characteristics and values, values tell you who you are, by the way, I don't know who that was for, but your values tell you who you are. Based on those, that is what you should be forming your life on, not based on the role you want to hold and the things you want to have. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's all going to go away anyway. Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, if you get to a point where you're trying to reach that level of success, and you're like hoarding that much money, I mean, you're in a scarcity mindset. Like if you think you just got to keep on, like, if you have a billion dollars, you're afraid something's gonna happen. Like, I'm all for like, <laughs> saving for a rainy day. But when you got a billion dollars, I'm like, what kind of rain? is coming what do you know that i don't know so i mean there's still a level of anxiety in that and in that hustle culture what drives it is the well i have to do this otherwise somebody's going to replace me otherwise uh i'm going to be obsolete yeah. i mean there's there's some type of motivating and fear that makes you addicted to this type of behavior and you're going to have to sacrifice those relationships because you can't possibly nourish your career this much and also nourish yourself and your relationships and the people around you. They, there needs to be mm -hmm. a balance. It's called well-rounded because there has to be balance. I was just going to say, and the truth of the matter is that thinking is not true. There are lots of successful people who have maintained good relationships. It's about what your priorities and your values are. You put in the work and what you value. Yeah. And if you haven't put in the work in your own self, your own mental health, 
if you can, because we also just said that was a luxury. So if you have those abilities and you don't do them, it means that you didn't care enough about them. So it really, you got to do a lot of internal work to figure out what is important to you. And that is going to help you develop your identity and understand who you are. I think um, culture has a lot to do with it. We are in a very interesting time as a world culture, the U.S. culture, and even ethnic culture. All of it plays a part. We usually call it um, like intersectionality, that there are all these pieces that are playing a part in your development. Um, and, And I think it all gets kind of mixed up. And if you aren't paying attention to yourself and exploring yourself, you will get caught up in all that's going on. And you you lose sight of what's important, what's actually important to you, because you're focusing on what everyone's telling you should be important to you. And that's not necessarily what should be important to you. You know, there are people who love animals and like save the whales. I'm not that person. The whales can go. (laughs) But that's just me. You know what I mean? Like, that's not where my heart bleeds. And I don't mean that like they can just go. You don't have to edit this out. You're saying it's not, you're saying it's not, it's not your, keep it in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. I I get you. Okay. It was very good, but my heart doesn't bleed for the whales. That's someone else's plight. And we need that. We need that. My plight is where I'm at right now, what I'm doing right now. I love to teach and share. And that's what my plight is. So everybody is meant to be different. And the problem is, I think we lose sight of that because we're our, I think, well, I can't speak for the whole world, but woke world culture, U.S. culture is a lot about being the same, competing with each other when really we were made to be different so that we can all come together and work together and help each other. Um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going today. I I'm mean, just no, I think I think <laughs> these, I these forms of groundedness, these forms of having an anchor, it's all a type of being centered, being one with yourself, understanding who you are, how you are and where you're going and then trusting in this moment. Like that's all where it comes from. And that is going to make you a healthier person. And then you're going to be less susceptible to irrational anxiety and irrational thoughts that can sink in because you've got that. No, I know who I am. If this all goes away tomorrow, I know who I am. I'm not going to exactly when I talk to people, if I can start questioning things about them and who they are and how they are, if I, wherever they have their anger, I'm like, Oh, that's where you've placed your identity because you feel like you're under attack mm-hmm. right now because I'm questioning Absolutely. your identity as a person. And a lot of people, especially in the U S it's, if, I, if you ever ask a person, who are you? They'll be like, Oh, what well, do you mean? I'm miles. I'm a comedian. And the first thing I say is what I do for work. And mm-hmm. so we're so much yeah. to attaching our identity to things that are fickle. You, you know, I mean, your work, you'd only control so much of that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you control your person. So be within that, understand who you are as a person and allow your identity to be fluid through that. And then you won't be so attached to, well, this is what I do and this is who I am. So yeah, no, I think it's all important. I think a lot of that also just stems from comparison and, you know, look at like how we are on social media and keeping up with the Joneses and we're only Mm -hmm. doing our best day and the best thing. 
and oh my husband did this and I got this and I bought this and so we get anxiety of just like oh well I don't have that so I guess to be successful or to have happiness I have to have what they have because look how happy they're showing that they are I think just causing a lot of the anxiety in it yeah comparison is man's greatest insult there is no reason joy yeah. comparison is the thief of joy yeah um, yeah which is, is unfortunate because you should never lose your joy so happiness is my again personal beliefs happiness is fleeting mm. happiness is an emotion that you feel and experience joy is a value in who you are it is it is a part of your makeup if you have joy that just means that no matter what is going on you are secure and that everything is okay it is going to be okay i am going to be okay and what's happening now is not my end all be all. That to me is what joy is. It doesn't mean I walk in the room and I'm like, good morning. Because mm. nine times out of 10, I can't stand my coworkers anyway. So good morning is what you get. <laughs> but I have a joy about me because this is not where my everything lies. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't get stressed out. Right. It's rare that I'm stressed out at work and everybody's like, my coworkers would be all up in arms and I would be like, y'all, it's okay just chill it's all right um that is to me what that inner joy is it's it's this security that I naturally or not even naturally that I've worked on having that I it's okay I am okay I am okay you are okay we are okay everything is okay what do we have to do Mm -hmm. um and I think with the social media it's the focus is happiness and and it's not even a real happiness. It yeah. is a pseudo Just happiness. Make it till you make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Literally. And, and that is it. I think um, going back to something I said earlier too about like disappointment and if things go good, we're responsible. I think um, that is a part of it too. We are in a culture that doesn't want responsibility. And I think that um, Susan, something you said about your triggers um, that stuck out to me. You were you were talking about understanding where your triggers come from. And I think being in a culture that doesn't want to deal with responsibility, when we find mm-hmm. out what our triggers are, we start to hold other people responsible for our responses and our triggers, right? So if I know that you asking me about my identity is a trigger for me, so I get angry and I say, well, why did you ask me that? Well, no, the, the issue is he can ask me whatever he wants. I deal with my response. So mm-hmm. why did I respond to him that way? My trigger is not anyone else's response. They aren't supposed to be tiptoeing around me mm-hmm. because I know that I have this trigger. I am supposed to deal with my problem so that when this trigger comes up, I can manage it. So the, the culture right now um, is very much a band, as we were saying earlier, very much a band-aid culture and making you feel okay. And this type of work, getting to know yourself is about making you feel okay, but not before you get into the dirty. Not You got to roll around in the mud a little bit. You got to have some not good days. And we give you the tools to deal with the not good days. But if you want to grow, there's going to be some gardening and weeding that's going to have to happen mm-hmm. in order for those things to happen. And that does, you can't garden and weed if you're not pulling up the roots and stuff, you know? So it's just, that I think is one of my biggest issues with like the culture, social media. Um, it's very much the like, 
if people do this, you know, you don't need them in your space kind of talk. And it's mm. like, well, you know, you don't have to cut people out. What you need to do is explore what it is about them that upsets you so much and why you're so upset, not what they did. Why does that thing upset you? Because it didn't matter who it was. It could have been anybody that did it mm. to you and you'd have cut them off quick. But why, why do you feel the need to have to cut them? Why, why aren't you dealing with your own? With your stuff, I don't know if I'm make, being clear um, or if that's making sense, but totally. we we put a mm-hmm. lot of responsibility on the other, and it's always less about ourselves mm-hmm. and what we're doing. For sure, no, I totally agree. Well, the same like adults, like in our society now, like we're told you're not supposed to be flawed or make mistakes, and to have to admit that you have stuff to work on. That, I think, alone gives people that bit of anxiety. And to just yeah. pass it off to someone yeah. else is the easiest thing to do. Like, oh, I, I didn't, I didn't, oh, I didn't yeah. do it. It was, wasn't oh, me. Yeah. Or so-and-so, yeah, we make excuses because it, it's easier to, yeah, a lot of people, like, if, if you don't know yourself even and you don't know your own triggers, your own strengths and weaknesses, to admit you have a weakness is not something, it, it's almost like you're, the war of attrition nowadays so if you were to expose what your weakness is you're afraid someone's going to pounce on that yeah exactly what we've been saying is someone's going to take you down and mm-hmm. you're going to be in a worse mm-hmm. spot or you'll fail like to just say the word i failed i think gives people tremendous amount of anxiety but if you don't fail you don't learn anything mm-hmm. that's why i just all about protecting the I ego just, is yeah. working hard to protect all the time, all the time. And I, you just, say, I, I always reframe it. I'm like, I never look at things as losses. You learned what you learn. There was, there was no loss. Like mm-hmm. there was no fail. There was no defeat. Like you were supposed to learn something yeah. here. You're, you're, you were supposed to learn a lesson. So don't just step over the lesson, you know I mean? So that's, that's where you just take it on yourself. Cause it's way change for people I think is uncomfortable. And, and it's way easier for me to be like, well, screw you instead of going, oh, well, do I need to change? Because we know that change is uncomfortable. And if that's what we're about to face, uh, well, that's not what I want right now. Well, of course not. Mm -hmm. You never want to feel uncomfortable, but I mean, that's, what's going to make the good stuff happen. So, I mean, you have to be able to take that accountability within yourself and be cool within yourself instead of trying to just like it's everybody else's fault. Am I being able to understand your triggers and go, Oh, okay. I'm going to find a way to deal with this. And it's not, you know, an establishment has something quote unquote triggering that sets you off, you know, okay. What do you do now? We don't sue the establishment. Like they don't need to close down. Like, no, like I don't go there. We don't go there. We don't support that business. If it's really bad, I'll just drive away from around that. Like, I mean, that I need to figure out a thing I need to do, but this thing, it doesn't need to be that this thing doesn't, can't exist uh, because Mm -hmm. of a feeling that I have. That's it right there. Mm -hmm. It, everything has, I almost want to say everything has a right. It, it can be there. It, the goal is the goal should not be to remove the obstacle. Mm. The goal should be how to deal with the obstacle that won't be moved. And we're seeing this a lot more now too with the young people that they don't have these tools anymore. Um, it, it's There's a lack of resilience that's happening right now. And it's, it's a part of obstacles being moved. Um, parenting styles are very important in this as well if you haven't been taught or trained um 
to deal with life pressures like this, you are going to have issues like anxiety more often than not because you haven't been given the tools or the foundation to deal with the obstacles as they come up. Mm. Very important. Very important. Um, well, yeah. I think we're coming up on our time here. Uh, Kalia, uh, I want to say, really? yeah, it's been an hour. Oh, man. wow. That's oh, been yeah. awesome. It's been an hour. Yeah. See, wow. and, see, and you were nervous. Oh, we're bringing you back. Hell yeah. That was I know, I can't believe I was nervous. Yeah, see, so you'll be back. Absolutely, because I know there's Yay. some stuff we definitely want to talk to you about. Were you anxious, Kalia? She was. I was. No, I told y'all. I was. I do deal with anxiety from time to time. Some of my best. I had a friend who did not come out of her house for weeks. Weeks. It is something that is really happening. I had a friend also... Uh, driving her kids was giving her anxiety because she had fears that she was going to drive off of, you know, an accident, not yeah. like kill her kids, yeah. but that she was accidentally going to like get in a car accident and go over an over ramp or something. Just, just stuff, yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. And so this was, this was perfect to talk about. I'm very passionate about this topic. So absolutely, I was anxious, but I dealt with it. I dealt with it. Good. Yeah, you did. The obstacle was the way you worked through it and we appreciate you that for part. it 100 thank you for having me absolutely absolutely well uh thank you all for watching and listening uh i'm miles weber you can follow me at miles weber joker and all the social medias uh heather where can they follow you follow me on instagram at bodies by heather bodies underscore by underscore heather and susan where can they follow you uh you can follow find me at uh, Instagram at Susan Thompson haha -ha, or you can find me on my website uh, susanthompson.net absolutely right on and make sure you like and subscribe and share and uh, listen to us on all places podcasts are heard we'll see you next time with a new episode bye everybody bye, bye. see you later